On this episode of the Spartan Insider, we welcome Calvary Baptist Church head pastor Jeff Willits. I'm not reality, isn't it? I shouldn't say it with that together. I almost said the sad part is I haven't seen that in church. No, it's a good part. I haven't seen a fight in church. The sad part is I've seen some of the verbal sparring going on among believers. Shouldn't be that way. We need to be very, very careful. Um, Cedarville University, by the way, eight of the graduates, when I was at the graduation ceremony, I think we had 16 graduates, half of them, eight of them said, I'm heading to Cedarville. I was down there at Cedarville when, uh, just before things were starting and uh, was excited to see how that's getting going and knowing that we have several there. Cedarville put out a how do you get started and we have some weird things, don't we, to get started like I walked up with a face mask and uh, you have those and you have the hand sanitizers and we have the shields and everything else going on. Cedarville put out something and, and one of the early statements, I'll read it to you. It says this, as this COVID-19 continues to unfold, cloth-faced coverings, mask, have unfortunately become a divisive topic. <laughs> yeah. Cedar devoted, devoted the first page of their getting started to a devotional on how we treat one another using Philippians chapter 2. Um, Do nothing with selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Look, each of you, not only on your own interest, but on the interest of others. And that's how they had to start this thing. Why? Because it's such a debate. I want to talk about another debate that happened several years ago during Christ time. Matthew chapter 22. If you have your Bibles, you could open to Matthew chapter 22, because we're going to look at that. The debate was a hotly debated topic, similar to the hotly debated topic we see right now. The issue was they didn't like Jesus. They're going to do whatever they can to get rid of Jesus. And so they were, they were plotting to do that. So what they're going to do is they're going to bring up different debates. The first debate that they bring is a debate on taxes. <laughs> uh, have we ever heard, has that stopped? People talk about, should we pay? How much do they pay? I can't believe they're making us pay that. You know, you're going to have to pay more. All this, they're still talking about that. Uh, it's a hot debate, taxes. And, and Jesus dealt with that one. Uh, the next debate was on the resurrection. Um, and it was, again, a, an error in theology and their thinking. And so they, they threw out a question, and Jesus answered their question. But you know how they answered it? They, they answered it like a, they asked the question, as if they were, um, I don't know, just a young person, a a kid in third grade. I think we're in fourth grade up, right? Okay, so I can go third grade. Act like a third grader when they did that. Uh, So what happened is they asked the question, um, what if, then they asked the most ridiculous stuff. You know, it's it's one thing to ask a what if question. Here was the question they asked them. Uh, Let me go back. The Old Testament in the Old Testament system, if someone died and they didn't have any kids, what happened is their brother would marry that wife so that they could have kids and pass on the, the land. And, and so that would be the case. And so they would do that. You, some of you say, well, that's weird. That was the Old Testament time. So just let me stick with me on that. So here's what they said. Uh, Lord, what if, uh, what if a guy dies, has no kids, and, he mar- and his brother marries his wife so that they could have kids, and then he dies without kids, and then, and then he dies, and then she marries the next brother, and then he dies, and you marry the next brother. 
what if, and it went seven times, what if all seven guys died? Then he asked the question, whose wife will it be in heaven? Here's the ridiculous part. What are the percentages of that happening? I mean, it's like ridiculous. And so the question that they were asking was not really a serious question. They were just wanting to have a fight. You know anybody like that just likes to debate? Maybe takes the opposite side of whatever side is there. They're going to take the opposite side. They just want to fight. That's what can happen. If someone wants to fight, we've got an awful lot of stuff with this COVID-19 stuff that you could fight with if you want to fight. But then after all of those things, they finally asked Jesus, okay, help us here. What's the greatest commandment? I want you to see how their intention. So if you're in chapter 22, look at verse 15. I'm going to jump right past a whole bunch of verses, but look first at verse 15. It says this, Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entangle him in his words. Okay, I want you to see their goal. It's a negative goal, right? Now, there's a lot of stuff that you and I know because it's Jesus Christ, he's God the Son, that that's also a ridiculous thought. I'm going to see if we're smarter than he is. (laughs) Can we make him trip up in his words? He's God the Son. No, he's not going to trip up. No, he's not going to say something wrong. They didn't buy who he was. They didn't accept that. And so they were just totally away from that. So they're trying to trip him up. I want you to first just see their motive. So now jump all the way down to verse 34 because this is the section I want to cover. Actually, only one part of this section. Verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Okay, two things he told them. They asked one question. What's the greatest? He gave them a bonus answer. He gave me, let me give you not just one, I'll give you the second one. You ask me what's the greatest, I can answer that and end it. The greatest is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. How do you do that? Well, we could take some time talking through. Actually, I want to look at the second answer more than this one. But this, the first answer, how do you do that? Well, we know we can, if we love the Lord, we're going to talk to him. Prayer. Continual prayer. Um, I'm married. Some of you know my wife's name, Kathy. Um, If I tell her I love her and never talk to her, she'd probably question that. If I didn't ask her about her opinion or say, hey, what do you want to do? Hey, what would you like for me today? If I just kind of ignored her and then said, I love you, she's like, yeah, right. In the same way, to love God, you don't ignore him. You have regular communication with him. You talk to him. You, you, what do you want from me today? How can I, what, what do you want me to handle today? Uh, this morning, I woke up, which is a common thing. That, well, waking up is common. But also, when I wake up, the first thing I ask is, Lord, what do you want from my schedule today? I'm yours. I'm surrendered. Anything you want for me to do, I'll do. Why? Because I love the Lord. And so if we love him, we're going to communicate and say, what do you want from me? I'm going to 
find out more about him. If I love my wife, I'm going to try to find out more about her. What's your favorite color? What would you like to do? What, where does she like to eat? What might she want as a surprise if I get her a surprise? How do I know? I, I talk to her. I listen to what she has. How do we know what God wants? He's given us a book that said, here's how I want you to think and what I want you to do. So if I love the Lord, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to find out more about him. <clears throat> And by the way, this is called the self-revelation of God. This is how God reveals himself to us. Uh, so if we're going to do that, we're going to have that. i got to keep moving because what they've done is they took down a clock. So I have no idea what time it is. So if your stomach starts to grumble, and I know it's lunchtime, I've gone too long. The other thing they normally do on Sunday morning is that big screen up there has a little clock on there like, dude, you're getting too far, and so they stop me. It's not even on, so I might go to the third period. What, is your second period a hard one? Then you could say, yeah, go to the third period. No, we'll be done in time. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second he said, and this is the one I want to hang on, love your neighbor as yourself. Again, that, they didn't even ask that one, but he said, you need to know this. So he gave him another one. Um, again, I don't know fully his motive, but what we do know is that they asked one question, he answered with, their, he answered a question and gave a bonus answer. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what does that look like? In another passage, when they told him about loving the neighbor, he said, well, okay, let me get technical so I don't have to give too much love. Who's my neighbor? You, that question, you understand what that question is. That question is, I don't, want to give, I don't want to be too nice to too many people. I mean, okay, if I have to love my neighbor, then at least define who my neighbor is. Do you remember how he defined who his neighbor is? I remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Three people do. Okay, maybe i got to tell you the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, Good Samaritan is a story about a guy that... Uh, uh, there's a Jewish man that goes out and he gets robbed on the way. He's on the highway. He gets beat up and robbed and left on the side of the road bleeding and probably dying. And then what we have first is we have a priest comes by and he looks at him and says, oh my, that's not good. And he watches and he, he goes to the other side of the street, walks a long way away from him. He doesn't want to touch him. Then we have a Levite coming down there and does the same thing. A Levite sees him. The priest comes from the Levite tribe, sees him and says the same thing. Oh, bad news. Sorry about that, dude. And just keeps walking away. Doesn't touch the guy. Now, we have no idea if the priest was like, the reality is I need to uh, do a religious service, and if I touch a body that might be dead, I won't be able to do my service. So he's more interested in religion than people. Not a good thing, okay? That's not a good thing. Because what is the church of God? It's people. So we got to be interested in people. So the last guy that comes, the Samaritan that comes by, is a person who is like his enemy. Okay, The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along at all. And though he, they don't get along, he sees what's going on, and he's, his heart has moved saying, that's terrible. Here's a person that's in pain, and he needs help. He stops right away, heals, picks the guy up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, drops him off at the inn, uh, at the hospital, if you will, and says, take care of all of his needs. If he has a bill, send the bill to me. I'll pay the bill. He's not supposed to like the guy at all. He doesn't know him. He's never met him. He's not supposed to like him. 
but he stops and heals and picks him up. Jesus says, that's a neighbor. That's who your neighbor is. Just like that, that's who you, you, you pick up your neighbor. Here's what I, want you to, what I want you to think. Did the man have a plan to go and see? Uh, was he walking around the road saying, I wonder who's needing help? I wonder if there's anybody beat up and maybe I can help him. No. The man's just out doing normal daily task. He's going to Walmart. I don't know. He's going to the grocery store. He's going to the park. He's going to Calvary Christian School, and in the process of going, he sees someone on the side of the road that needs help. Let me say this. He's a complete stranger that he's going to pass on the side of the road, and he is concerned about his physical well-being, never intending to pass the guy, never intending to see him, but he's concerned about his physical well-being. Can I give you a little analogy with that here? My understanding is part of why I wear a face mask when I'm out, like going to Walmart or going somewhere else, is because I am going to randomly pass people I don't have a plan to pass. I don't have an appointment to go see them. And, but I am concerned about their physical well-being. And so I am going to do what I can to protect their physical well-being. Do I know how great they work? I don't. Do I like wearing it? I don't. But I have chosen to say I'm not going to let that be an issue. Why? Because I'm going to love my neighbor like myself. I'm going to love my neighbor because it's the greatest commandment. Jesus says this, after he said, love God, love your neighbor, do you know what the next thing he said? On these two things hang all of the commandments. Think about the weight of that. He's talking about, on these two things, all of Old Testament, what time are we supposed to be done? I need a teacher, help me. 9.03? All right, thank you. You know what? Not having music gives me more time, doesn't it? So we'll be, we'll be, we won't drone on. We'll be done. So where, where, where was I before I guessed it? You got to help me. Where was I? Oh, don't tell me you weren't listening. Just kidding. I'm put, putting some guy in the spot. On these things handle, hang all of the commandments, all of the Old Testament. Love God. Very important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, if you hear that, you got to know how we act to one another is supremely important to God. Not just how we act to one another, who we like, our buddies in our class, our friends in our class, our people on our volleyball team, the golf team. I should mention the golf team first because they got a little bit shorthanded. They didn't get it to the first enough. Good job, golfers. Um, our, all the different... It's not just how we do those, but how do you treat the people that you don't even know? Do you know what I believe to be true? I don't believe anyone will be mad at me if I walk around with a face mask on. I don't think they'll be mad at me. I think they might laugh at me. <laughs> I think they might say, what's he thinking? Uh, and, and they might even debate, do you know how well those work? And the answer is, no, I don't. I just do it. I don't think anybody's going to be mad at me if I wear it. I do think people might be mad at me if I don't wear it. 
How would I know that? I saw a fist fight in Walmart. That's one way I know it. They, well, they might be mad at me if I don't wear it. What's my goal? My goal is not to make them happy with me or like me or not like me. My goal is this, share Jesus Christ to them and don't bring anything in my life that's going to hinder the opportunity for me to share with them that God loves them. And so if that's all I got to do to do that in today's culture right now, I'm glad to do it. Why? Because on these two things, loving God, and, and my loving God means I'm going to spend time with him in the morning, I'm going to listen for him, I'm going to try to get to know him better, I'm going to tell other people, i got to tell you about my great God, I'm going to talk about him, like I talk to you about my wife, I'm going to talk to you about my God, why? Because I'm going to love my God, and if I'm going to love my neighbor, the way I know to love my neighbor, the illustration that Jesus gave, is that I'm going to get involved in their life or I'm going to make certain I don't do anything or I'm concerned about their physical well-being and I do what I can to make certain that they're taken care of. That might mean do something so simple as wear a face mask. How do we have, handle COVID-19? Let me tell you some of the uh, concerns that I have. I'm concerned that this pandemic could divide the body of Christ. It has. I've seen some issues. On a national level, kind of that's my job, so I kind of watch the national level since this is my occupation. If I was a uh, if I was doing HVAC, I probably would try to find out the latest thing on furnaces. If I was a farmer, I'd probably find out what the crops are prices are, different places, and how it's going to offend. Since I'm a pastor, I kind of say, what, how does this work? And so what we see is a pastor in California, a well-known pastor in California says, we're going to do church, we're going to come. And so another well-known pastor somewhere else says, that's a bad idea. What do we do? We divide. We got one guy saying, I'm doing this, another guy attacking, this guy, attacking his brother. It's friendly fire. We write and we blog about each other's position. Friends, don't do that. Do not let anything be written that is going to cause, don't you write it, don't you repeat it, don't you say something. When we're brothers in Christ, we have to stop and recognize that we're doing the best we can to follow the Lord. Make that assumption. Why? Because love thinks no evil, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What I, I was At the beginning of this thing, we were doing a whole bunch of Zoom meetings with a bunch of pastors in different areas. And so I've got a Zoom meeting one with a bunch of pastors just in Logan County. How are we going to handle this? And since then, we've continued to talk. I continued to get phone calls from other guys, or I continue to call them. How are you doing? What's going on? How do we handle this? Why? Because it's weird. It's just a weird thing to go through. We've never done this before. In my lifetime, I've never seen something like this before. Never seen the church be able to say, shut down for months. What? So this is a struggle. This is a, and the other thing I found is I, I had a meeting with about 55 pastors across the state of Ohio. And uh, they asked four or five of us to say, how, how are you guys opening church? And so I was one of the presenters that was trying to say, what are we doing? What's our plan? And so what I found out, talking to 55 pastors, is there's about 55 different ideas. Okay? So when I see... What I'm telling you is that there's not a cookie cutter, here's how you do this. 
We don't know necessarily. So be careful about judging one another. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid for the division. There's a big group called the Gospel Coalition. The Gospel Coalition is a, it's a national organization of, uh, of pastors and churches. And here's the title of an article they wrote in May. Just to give you the title. Don't let the coronavirus divide you. What does that tell you? What's their concern? It can happen within here in, in just Calvary Christian School as we figure out what we're doing and someone is more diligent or more concerned or more uh, fearful and they're wearing a face mask and we laugh and poke fun at them. Or maybe their parent says, you, I don't care what someone says, you're going to wear it. And then we like, yeah, whatever. We mock them for it. Don't do that. Be careful. And then the other side, one of the things that our, our governor did comment um, when he would put this bigger face mask requirement, he said, make this assumption if someone's not wearing it that they have a health reason why they don't need to wear it. In other words, don't judge each other. That's not a bad line. Be careful. So the first, one of the concerns I have is that we, we're going to have this division. Another concern I have is it's just going to cause us to sin. We're going to speak things we would not normally speak. We are going to begin name-calling and labeling. Begin? It's happened. We've got elected officials using names that are like, why? Does that help unite us? No, it divides us, and it's a sinful condition. I also want to be careful that we do not put more faith in face masks than we do in God. That's a sinful situation. We end up bringing something that we shouldn't do. We speak negatively, we act negatively, or we do things that we shouldn't do. The interesting thing that I have found when, and I've had people ask, do I have to wear a face mask to come to church? Frankly, I almost can't answer that in a way that I can win. If I answer the question no, ah, he opposes the governor. If I answer the question yes, they're like, that's what I was afraid of. I'm not coming. And so I basically said, here is what the governor has, has told us we need to do. If you come to Calvary Baptist Church, you normally will see me sitting, before I get a chance to speak, I'm sitting somewhere over here in the front, and I'm sitting with my face mask. I, I walk around with my face mask on. I greet people. I sing with my face mask on. Why? Part of it because that's what he's told us to do now. And when I get up to go speak, I take it off, put it down in the pew, and actually I tuck it in my pocket because I normally don't go back. I sl slip out the side door so I can greet people. And my new way of greeting people is, hi. <laughs> it's kind of weird. You know, we're in this weird time frame. But it's more or less how we're going to take care of people. I, I don't want this division. We've got to be careful that we're not doing something or, or acting in such a way that we're going to cause people to be divided or or bring sin. The other thing I'm fearful of in this whole thing is complacency. And can I ask you to guard your hearts? What happens in complacency? Well, we, we stopped going to church for a while. Churches were closed. Not everyone's. Almost everyone's. They, they closed. Calvary did. We stopped for coming for a while. We did that little video. You got a little platform in the middle like, well, that's weird. Why did they put that in the middle? That was our video stand. Still is for our church services. So we were doing that. And for a while, I got a chance to preach to 
No one in the auditorium. Turn the lights out so the camera's better. Got that there. Got a cameraman, got a guy in a sound booth, and me. That was weird. So that's how we did church for a while. Here's the complacency. We get used to saying, you know what, it's really easy. I don't have to do a whole lot. I can get up. I can kind of turn on the television. I can watch church in my pajamas while I'm eating my Fruit Loops. And uh, I don't have to worry about anything else. I can pause them if I'm like, I, I want to go check on the cat. I'll come back when I want to. And, or, or I don't even have to do it at a certain time. It's going to be online. I could do it 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Or if I forget to do it, oh, well, I tried. I thought about it. We become complacent in the fact that church no longer becomes a priority in our life. I'm concerned about that. Because I will tell you what's going to happen is the church is going to be smaller than what it was. All churches are going to be smaller when we're done with this. Why? Because people become complacent. There's a little bit of refining, and we'll get to the good news in a minute. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned that we're, we're, we're happy with short church, no church, Church in my pajamas, or whatever it might be. Easy church. Christ never described the life of a Christian, the life of a disciple as, oh, it's a piece of cake, don't worry about it. No, he said stuff like, you know what, they're going to persecute you. You're going to have to pick up your cross daily. You're going to have to, it will be tough for you. At one time when he sent out his disciples, he said, "Ah, you might want to take a sword. What? Yeah, it's going to be rough out there. He did not paint any kind of picture that it's like, okay, how short can I do church with my coffee, my jammas, and my cat on my lap? I don't own a cat, but if I did, it would probably be on my lap while I did pajama, my, in my jammies while I'm doing church. How, how long can I do that? Is he almost done yet? Someone jokingly told me, he said, you know what? I found out a good news about church. I can go to church, fast forward you, and I can be done in half the time. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> you speed fast through it. Well, you know, I can make it quick. He was joking. He better have been joking. I'm concerned about complacency. But let me give you the positive side, too. I think that there's also some things that I'm praying that God would do. I pray that God would refine us would refine us to be able to say, Lord, I want to know who are the true soldiers. Do you remember Gideon's army? When Gideon uh, went to battle, let me tell you a real quick story. And I have four minutes. So thanks for the timing. Um, real quick story about Gideon. When Gideon was going to, to battle with, against the Midianites, and, and he was told, okay, I, I need everybody to come and fight with me. So they got this whole big group of guys that came and fought. We're there, we're going to fight. And part of it was a threat, too. I want you to fight with me. That is, if you want to still own your home. <laughs> so he kind of made it really like, you better show up. So he showed up, and as they're showing up, he says, okay, the Lord says, too many. Just ask the people that really don't want to fight, they want to go home, go home. So he did, 10,000 go home. It's like, what? Not a good idea, Lord, let's, let's try a different plan. And he says, no, too many. So he came back, and the next time he said, we still have too many people. I want you to just kind of get a drink around the water here, and, and I'll tell you which one. When it was all said and done, he had 300 people to fight a battle. Do you know what he did? He refined it. He said, I only want those that are really ready to fight. And I think in some regards, what's going to happen is the church is going to be smaller, and I think that what's going to happen is we're going to have people that are really committed to Jesus Christ are going to be those, those who are part of the church. Some of the extra that they just came because it was supposed to come, they'll be cut away. I, I, 
Do I want to see that? No, I want to see everybody come and be able to hear the Word of God and be able to grow. But I do believe that's going to be a benefit. I think another benefit is going to be we're going to be focused. As a church, hopefully in your own life, you're going to find out what's really important. We as it's our church, we had a bunch of other programs, and some of the programs we did, were we loved them, they were good. Sometimes we found out, all right, we got to cut down to just what is important. What are the things we must do? Everything else stops. And that's what we did. So we were able to say, we need to be refocused and to be able to maybe be lean and mean or more efficient, being able to go more focus-driven than just we did a whole bunch of stuff and we made everybody happy and we did churchy-like stuff. No, it's going to make the church more focused as we come back and say, what do we need to do? And I also think my prayer is that we would have a great influence at a time when the world is going nuts a little bit. No, not a little bit. Just watch the news. Um, the big news that we had this week, two th- big things. One was um, a natural disaster, and that was the hurricane that just has been blown through. One is an unnatural disaster, and that's a hurricane that started up in Wisconsin. The fighting, the warrings, and the, and the making no sense. One guy, you maybe saw some pictures, one guy just defending his own shop gets beat up and is in jail, in, in jail, he's in the hospital, broken jaw. Why? Just because he said, please don't destroy my building. Ridiculous. Ridiculous things happen. Um, you and I have a great opportunity to be an influence of salt and light. That's what we're supposed to be. God calls us to be salt and light. That's one of our favorite verses in our family. It's up on the wall in our house. If you come to my home, great big verse. Salt and light, that's what you're supposed to be. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What do we do? Make certain we're salt and light. So as we step out in this darkened world that they're wondering what's next, we can shine as lights and people say, there's something special there. What is it? It's Jesus Christ. We have a greater influence when the people are wondering, what hope do we have? I can tell you the hope. I can tell you the blessed hope. The hope is found in Jesus Christ. An opportunity for you and I to have an influence. How are we going to do that? Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does it look like to love your neighbor? Be careful as you go out that you would say, I'm going to be one that lives for the Lord, loves other people, and it's known because then the message that I have to give out, I can, and it will be accepted. Let me pray for you all. Father, as we come and we conclude our time this morning, I pray that we would just have a a great year, a great year of following you. Lord, we we do ask for healing. We do ask for uh, normal we want to get back to some things. We, we do thank you for reminding us that maybe there's some things that we were doing that were just not efficient. We need to get rid of them. Some things we're doing we just did because tradition and we need to stop them. But we also know, Lord, that there are some things that we need to do that were stopped because of the extra. So you've cut them away. Lord, help us to love you and love our neighbor. Help us to see what that looks like. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You are dismissed to second period.
Thank you.